What's up, everybody? It's the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and we're going on to our fourth game of the week. I'm saving Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans for a little bit later. We're going to try and get one of the members of the Roundtable Sports Podcast on that one. So we're going to the other team in Texas that has never been called that before, the Dallas Cowboys 54-19 to win over the Jeff Saturday-led Indianapolis Colts. And, of course, when you see the score, and if you didn't watch the game, you would think this would have been a Cowboys blowout and that we must have had Cooper Rush at the beginning of the fourth quarter or something like that because the Cowboys had really done things in a big way and had really gone off on offense and the defense was in there holding the Colts to 19 points and everything. And that latter part did happen. And I liked the way the Cowboys defense looked, but this was a two point game going into the fourth quarter. So not exactly the amount of celebration that I would normally have being a Cowboys fan uh, for a 54 to 19 win, but still glad to have it, no doubt. And even though it was a two point game, it did feel like the Cowboys had things in hand, but still it was a two point game, but still to have the game be that close uh, should dampen the blowout talk and any talk about the Cowboys overall. Now, don't get me wrong. I like the way that the Cowboys were playing out there. I just try and not to get too far over my skis when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and my thoughts about them being good or or what kind of playoff contender or Super Bowl contender that they can be because I, I've just been burnt so many times at this point. I was uh, 7, 8, and 10 the last time that the Cowboys went on a big run and, and won the Super Bowl. So there's been a lot of disappointment for me over the years and for Cowboys fans in general. So I think it's good to be guarded when it comes to their performance, just because, like I said, this wasn't a blowout exactly, uh, although they they turned it on in the fourth quarter and scored so many points and were finally able to take it all the way advantage of what the Colts have going on. Incidentally, that 33 points was the second most in a fourth quarter. The, the Detroit Lions scored 34 points in 2007 versus the Chicago Bears. And then there's some sort of weird tie with a team from the early 1900s that apparently never got wiped off the NFL books. So that's why it was tied for some reason with uh, the 1925 Chicago Cardinals, who I heard a, a longer version story, but the short version is they hired a bunch of high school kids to pretend to be the Milwaukee Badgers and then proceeded to beat them 59 and nothing with 33 points in the final quarter because apparently you could just schedule teams to make up games in the standings at that point. So uh, I'm not sure why these records are included, but I guess you have to start somewhere. But the NFL is going to have some weird stats come out like that. Regardless, doesn't dampen my enthusiasm about the points scored and the way that the defense was able to turn them over in the end. A lot was made, and I think maybe in the media as well as in my mind, that the Cowboys started Tony Pollard over Ezekiel Elliott in this game. And I thought it made sense at the time, and I think there's been a lot of people that have been clamoring for Tony Pollard to lead off the game and to get the lion's share 
of the carries and touches. Only the former happened, though. Zeke ended up out snapping Tony Pollard by 10 snaps and ended up out touching him as well. And it turns out that there was some sort of small issue between Zeke and his coach. And whether it was a a non-silence phone or Zeke was late, they wouldn't say exactly. But they did talk to Jerry and Mike McCarthy about it. And they just kind of deflected. So it would seem that something that seemed to be, you know, them finally giving in and kowtowing to the fans and to the film as well as it would turn out. But uh, I don't know that we can count on that being something that's going to that's the way it's going to be going forward. It didn't really hurt my feelings one way or another. And I didn't mind Zeke coming in a little bit either to having fresh legs, having his breath underneath him and being able to ram into the defense after they've been softened up a little bit makes a little bit more sense, I think, from a schematic standpoint. But I I think the point overall is I think we're probably going to see Zeke starting again for whatever that's worth. I still want to see Tony Pollard thoroughly mixed in there, though. But you have to be smart about it and realize that you need a thunder and lightning approach. And having both Zeke and Tony Pollard allows the Cowboys to have somebody that's a plus runner in the game at all times. It's not as easy to see what Ezekiel Elliott does in the trenches and with his pass blocking as well, where he excels over what Tony Pollard is able to bring. And then even still, you don't have to subject Tony Pollard to as much of the up the middle and between the tackles running that would make him more likely to get hurt. And that's not really his specialty anyway. So, okay, Zeke gets paid a ton. And that may change where, you know, Tony's going to get a big raise with the Cowboys or with another team. And Ezekiel Elliott may have to restructure his contract to stay with the Cowboys because there still is a pretty decent amount of guaranteed money left in his contract as well. And as you saw throughout the game and, and then at the end when he gets the touchdown and he is kind of the part of the heart and soul of the team and that you can't really gloss over that from a team dynamic standpoint, that is something that is important and can't be glossed over in the grand scheme of a team. As a small side note, I do like Malik Davis as well uh, as a third back. I don't like him more than either one of the top two running backs, but it's good to know that Malik is hanging in the wings there should something happen to one of the other two to try and spell them if that should come up. You know, despite the game being close, I was still encouraged by the way that the offense looked, and it wasn't just the running backs. The offensive line has really been gelling, and that goes hand-in-hand with the running backs and them having room to run. Uh, It's been refreshing to have Tyler Smith and see him out in space making plays and, and being able to drive guys off the ball as a rookie. His strength is off the chart, and then his mobility is also there, and you see the Cowboys taking advantage of it, that could be a place where the Cowboys get better as well. As much as I've liked Connor McGovern and working in Jason Peters at tackle and moving Tyler around and stuff, uh, a big time raise to the ceiling of the Cowboys if they were able to get a healthy healthy Tyron Smith and then move Tyler Smith inside to make the offensive line even more formidable because really three out of the four guys are road graders and Biotish is pretty good. Uh, probably a plus lineman as well. So to have all those guys coming together and then to be able to have Tyron in there 
to add to that uh, potentially is really big and uh, turns out to be a, a huge part of what the Cowboys need to do to be successful. It does worry me a little bit to see the San Francisco 49ers or the Philadelphia Eagles in the potential future of the Dallas Cowboys. You're, you're going to have to beat one of those teams to get where you want to go. And both of those teams have given the offensive line problems. So it's, it's going to be strength up against your strength. And uh, you need to have that going to get Dak Prescott in his kind of appropriate role as not a team manager, but it doesn't need to be all on his shoulders either to be throwing guys open and all the time and to have to create everything for this Cowboys offense. Um, I'm not, sometimes I'm not enthused by all the running that the Cowboys do, but I think it's important to establish that. And it's just unfortunate that two of the teams that they're probably going to come up against are, are really stout in that way. Of course, the Cowboys are going to have to get by one other game before they get there. So let's not count those chickens before they hatch. But it did look like today watching the offensive line and the defensive line dominate in the way that ways that they did. I mean, yeah, the Colts were able to run the ball at times and were able to run directly at the Cowboys. But that's a tough proposition, too, because Micah or anybody can penetrate and blow up those runs at a given time. So that would be one thing that gives me any hope about the Cowboys at this point is their ability to play tough defense on the front end, to have toughness and to potentially be better than most of the teams they play in the trenches on both sides of the ball. But that's a tough proposition for both the teams that they're going to come up against. And it may end up coming down to the quarterback performance. I like the way that Dak plays football and he seems to be getting more and more comfortable as the season goes on and getting Michael Gallup back has been a huge part of that as well as Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz was out for a piece of the year. You have other tight ends playing well as well. Noah Brown is a tremendous run blocker and has been good in his snaps as kind of a third or fourth wide receiver there's been a lot of talk about the wide receivers. CeeDee Lamb has been playing incredible. Michael Gallup looks good tonight and has been looking better and better as he gets further and further away from his injury. And then, of course, you've got the running backs and everything all kind of making this offense go. There, there has been some thought that Odell Beckham could take up some of those Noah Brown snaps that aren't, the, uh, aren't of the run-blocking variety and give this team some extra pop and and give Dak a, a, a possession guy that can also go deep to take some of the pressure off of him and the rest of the offense. And I would say that if you're going to get that and you're going to get a healthy Odell Beckham for that stretch run, I'm all for it. Uh, they, they did have a meeting recently and Odell was at the AAC last night and everything. It may be two nights ago by the time you hear this as I'm taping this late in the afternoon, but it seems like the medicals weren't exactly where the Cowboys wanted them to be. And they may be kind of moving on. The Cowboys may be better suited to look at cornerback help than they are wide receiver. But I, I don't know that there's anybody of the impact level of what P Odell Beckham could potentially be for the Cowboys. So cornerback may be on the table and it may not. Plus anything you don't spend, you do get to roll over 
for the next year. However, um, the medicals must be really messed up if Jerry Jones isn't jumping all over this because he will do anything he can possibly do if he thinks he has a chance to win the Super Bowl. And honestly, if you think you have a chance at the conference championship, then that's kind of the dividing line between whether you should make a move or not, because if you get there, you know, anything can happen in those games. And really, if you get to the playoffs, anything can happen to the playoffs. But still, if you you think you have that potential, that's when you that's that's when you're supposed to go out and make those moves if you're going to make them. So the fact that the Cowboys didn't jump all over Odell in this instance doesn't bode well for him playing the rest of the year, likely not ruling it out. And, and I'm not also not ruling out the Cowboys, you know, negotiating in the media a little bit saying, ah, this wasn't quite where we wanted it to be and letting him go to the other teams and trying to see what the price is when it comes back around. Uh, I could totally see that being something that the Cowboys were doing, but I don't know. It, it feels like if there was something to be had there, they would have jumped all over it. Plus uh, with the injury to Anthony Brown and him being out for the year, uh, that's your second cornerback being out that you have to worry about. And Kelvin Joseph, while talented, uh, definitely got scored on last night and hasn't showed me that he has uh, been super capable of playing high-level quarterback at this point, especially not at the level that Anthony Brown had been playing up to at this point. So that's a bad loss for the Cowboys overall. So that should show you, you know, just how fragile – a lot of this is for all of these teams and there's a lot of football left to be played and they don't hand out uh, a week 13 Super Bowl trophy either. So the Cowboys are going to have to have a little bit of luck here too. Luckily Bland, the, the guy that had two picks last night for, and, and it was good to see him come in the game and make some plays for the Cowboys and a nice slot corner can make a huge difference for a defense. So that was a welcome sight when we'd had some things go wrong on the defense and make no mistake, despite Trayvon getting beat on the slant and go and uh, just, you know, the Colts being able to run directly at the Cowboys at, at times. And yeah, the 49ers are going to run right at the Cowboys. And so are the Philadelphia Eagles if they get the chance. But overall, I like what the Cowboys are bringing on offense. Sure. But defense, especially even the addition of Hankins, was big at times. He, he was actually getting some movement up the middle where the Cowboys have been vulnerable. So to have him in the mix for, for snaps up the middle when we're not pass rushing is good. Obviously for the defense, getting up and, and getting them after the passer is the way to go, but that's not always an option. And just like on offense where you want to be able to do whatever counters what the defense is doing, you want to have that going in the inverse as well. So you want to be able to be beefy at times when you're playing the Tennessee Titans or say the 49ers or Eagles at this point. And while Jonathan Taylor got loose for some runs and, and is a tough runner and the like, uh, the Cowboys did a good job of getting after him, trying to get him in the backfield. And then every time that the Colts went back to pass, it felt like a, a gift that they were giving the Cowboys at that point because Matt Ryan was pretty immobile and has been immobile for the entirety of the season. It's not like anything changed because he was playing the Cowboys, but it was worse because uh, not only were they hitting him and getting roughing him up, but they were also all over his receivers and, and all over his passes as well. So tough night for him. A lot of people are calling him washed up, which is fair, but I think the corpse of Matt Ryan is still 
like a 30 to 20 best quarterback in the NFL. And to see the Indianapolis Colts play better once they got rid of Frank Reich does speak well to what we were talking about with taking the shot with Jeff Saturday. And Jeff Saturday kind of seems to be playing himself into a job at this point, despite the losses. It kind of the losses look like they're Matt Ryan's fault, even though it's a that's a it's a talent deficiency thing too a little bit with uh, the wide receivers just being a little bit below where you want them to be. And then the offensive line uh, has not been everything. It's been cracked up to be the last couple of years, but still a big part of it is Matt Ryan has lost too many steps at this point. Question is, will somebody take a shot on him next year? He may end up being with the Colts because of money. Fine. But what's the next move for the Colts overall? Because there is talent on the field for the Colts. Like the fact that the Cowboys were able to push around a really talented front sevens is one of the reasons that I'm, I'm excited about this game for them because going across the board and Gakwe, Stewart, DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay, and then you've got Franklin who has, uh, they love to tell the story about how he came up. You don't even have Leonard, which it's going to be even more formidable when you have Franklin and Leonard as your linebackers, by the way, if uh, Shaq, formerly Darius Leonard, is able to come back in any sort of form. So you've got that. You've you have some guys in the secondary, and then you have some pieces on offense to work from. It's part of the reason they've been playing everybody tough since they brought in Saturday. But they've been playing everybody tough, and they've got enough wins where I don't know that they're going to be in perfect position to draft their quarterback of the future, and that could end up putting them into quarterback purgatory for another year, which is where they seem to have been for a long time. You know, trying to retread all these different quarterbacks to get the job done while and take advantage of, you know, Jonathan Taylor while while he's not expensive. Same thing with Michael Pittman, but those bills are coming due. And then the guys behind them, I mean, I like Paris Campbell okay. And okay, Alec Pierce has something, but it's still overall a lackluster, doesn't quite have the same pop as some of the other units that other teams put on the field and then when your quarterback is a little below average now that just exacerbates the problem and puts you in this situation the problem is your team is too good at times to put yourself in the very very super bottom four eight and one isn't too far away and there's still some losable games for the Colts out there but still I, I worry about them a little bit and I have some real questions about what their future is not because they don't have talent but it's it's just the kind of place you're at when you don't have a quarterback of the future that you believe in. Uh, that's why they call it being lost in the woods. That's uh, what a lot of people call not having that quarterback situation settled. You're you're walking around in the dark, hoping to see the light that you might not see for ask the Browns. It could be decades before that happens. You have to get lucky. I mean, look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys fell right backwards into Dak Prescott and then had to be shoved into starting him. And it, sometimes it takes that kind of luck to get these things going. And the, the Colts just haven't had that to this point. But also to their uh, previous regime's non-credit, they also didn't go after those guys. They, they made some bad choices, and that's what's led us to here. And let's not forget that this should these should be years that were taken up by Andrew Luck being their quarterback as well if he would have had a regular length 
NFL career. Not his fault, I guess. I mean, he did kind of, you know, give it up, but, uh, you know, they got him hit. He got They got him hit a lot too. So it's also a problem of their own making, unfortunately. Well, that's what I've got for this game. I've got videos coming out today. Got them coming out tomorrow. There's video after video about this last week 13 because it was so interesting because I want to put out the content to the listeners and show you what I've been looking at to evaluate these games. So look forward to that. Should have one more game at least coming out before we're done with this week podcast-wise. I want to talk about Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, but I'm trying to wrangle a Houston Texans member of the roundtable to get that done. So we'll see what happens there. Appreciate you listening today. Download if you haven't done it already. Like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And have a great rest of your day.